come and just uh, take a few moments and share with us the work that God is. Uh, I know it's hard to do that, just a few moments. Come out, Janice. Let's give them a welcome. We, we're so glad they're here. We're glad you guys can share. past 30 years we have served with the Africa Inland Mission, 30 years of Great Commission adventure, and uh, God has really blessed our, our ministry and our family, and uh, for the past four years I've served in a leadership position, so I keep the vision alive before our people, and uh, we have about 230 missionaries working in Kenya and Tanzania that we're responsible for, and uh, I train and encourage our eight field leaders, and uh, also visit our people at every opportunity. Uh, driving on those roads, sometimes flying in our small planes, but uh, trying to encourage and uh, challenge our people. And I survey new outreach areas as well. And when I'm not involved in uh, member care, then I'm involved in reaching Muslims and sharing my faith with Muslims. And that means going to their homes and them coming to our home. And um, this year we've had a thing which we've called the runaway bride. And three, on three different occasions, a Muslim woman has arrived at my door and says, I can't stand my husband anymore. I'm leaving him and my kids. Can I stay with you? <laughs> and I say, sure, come in. And I open up God's word and share with them what it says about marriage and relationships. And then eventually the husbands track them down to my house and then <laughs> negotiations are going on in my living room and I'm serving tea and food and eventually things calm down and they prepare to leave and then Mar shares encouraging words with them and closes in prayer before they leave just in a sampling of our ministry <laughs> feliz y prospero año nuevo if you didn't understand that was spanish did anyone in the bible learn spanish well we're not sure but possibly the apostle paul you know in romans chapter 15 he said that he intended to go to Spain. And if he went to Spain, and we don't know where that would have fit in, but if he did, he would have at least learned the greetings and some of the language to be able to understand the culture and to share the gospel uh, with those people. In Romans 15, he also said, It has always been my ambition. I've always strived. It has always been my New Year's resolution to preach the gospel where Christ is not known. So I think each one of us also has to have that uh, idea in our minds. Where is our Spain? Where are the people that we need to reach that have not had a chance to hear the gospel? You know, the African Land Mission has been in Kenya since 1895. Okay, I was not on that first boat. All right, I'll <laughs> get that clear right up front. That's over, that's 115 years. That's over 40,000 days that some people in Kenya have had a chance to hear the gospel. God is blessed in amazing ways. We, we literally have thousands of churches that have been established, several hospitals, over a dozen Bible schools of every level of education. We have worked with orphans and with uh, those suffering from HIV and AIDS and uh, a variety of ministries, and we praise God for that and all that he's done in the past over 100 years in Kenya and in Tanzania. And yet, nevertheless, there are some people in Kenya and Tanzania that have not had a chance to hear the gospel for even one day. And I call them the zero 
day people. And those are people like the Somalis and the Swahili and the Matumbi and the Mwere and the Gare and the Warde and then Dengareko. Over, well, several dozen tribes that, as far as we know, have never had a chance to hear the gospel. And the reason they've not had that chance, because these are very tough areas. They're hot, dusty areas or hot and muddy areas. They're severe malaria zones. And for the most part, these are people groups that have embraced Islam as their daily religion. And so we, as a mission, as African mission, we, have, uh, the, we see them as our Spain, as our unreached peoples. And we want to work together with Kenyans and Tanzanians and work together and live in villages and learn the language, understand the culture, and share the gospel and see churches established. Churches that self-reproduce and take the gospel on to the next village without outside missionary help. And we praise God for enable us to do that. Paul states in Romans 15 that he expects the local believers, the local church in Rome to help him on his way to Spain. And as a body of Christ here in uh, Mechanicsburg, I trust that God will give you a vision for the Great Commission. And you, you will have that New Year's resol resolution to, to preach the gospel where Christ is not known. For, for you, it might be that new immigrant down the street that just moved in that attends a mosque on Friday. Or it may be praying for an unreached people group or getting involved somehow in the Great Commission and having a part in that. I just pray that that would be true for you in each of your lives and as a, as a church and that God will bless and encourage you and give you joy as you participate in the Great Commission. Thank you. Okay. Lord God, we're so grateful for this congregation. Thank you for Faith and Terry and for the elders of this church and for the individual members and for all who are part of this ministry. We just praise you that this has been established here in Mechanicsburg. We pray that you take them from strength to strength and especially give them a vision for what yet has to be done in the world. Before you left the earth, five times you gave that great commission. And I pray you'd give great encouragement and leading and guidance and ability as this group of believers uh, sees that happen in the year ahead and, and beyond. We thank you and just pray for this service that you'd continue to bless and encourage be with Terry as he'll be speaking and opening up the word for us. We're so grateful for this opportunity, and particularly as we begin a new year. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Marv. Thank you, Janice. Let's thank them so much for their work and their report. All right. What, uh, are we, are we going to dismiss the Sunday School, Roger? Are we doing that? Okay, yeah, let's do that now. You're welcome to go. How many of you uh, are, are like me? I enjoy looking at the year-end to see the people who died. Now, is that a morbid thing? I always get kind of bummed out when people slip away and I missed it. Maybe I didn't have time to look at the paper that day. Are you like me that way? Maybe you're, maybe you're not. Maybe you don't read the newspaper. Our kids don't read papers anymore. It's unbelievable. And it, did, you, did you know Peter Falk died? What are we going to do without Columbo, you know? Yeah, and Geraldine Ferraro and, and uh, Elizabeth Taylor and Warren Christopher. And uh, I, I look at the passage... Uh, of people in time, and I go like, wow, it's uh, like a mighty marching band moving down Main Street, this thing called life, 
And for some, uh, it's over sooner than others. How about Smoke and Joe Frazier? Did you see that? Smoke and Joe, what a great fight. Was that the thriller in Manila? Was that how many of you remember you didn't, you didn't watch? We didn't watch that, did we? I saw it in Life magazine. Was that on? It would be on today, wouldn't it? On the satellite. But uh, uh, he's gone. And some, uh, my mother's favorite, Elizabeth Taylor, and all her beauty. She, she was about that age, and she loved, uh, uh, I, I guess. And then Steve Jobs. Wow. The world took notice of that, did they not? I want us to, uh, in the little bit of time that remains, take your Bible, look at Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 3. We're going to come back and visit a theme. Last time I touched on this theme uh, was, we're talking about time, the passing treasure. Last time I looked in my file and glanced, it was six years. I could not believe it. Deb, so you, you have to be patient with me. When I quote Robert Frost here again, I know you always get excited when I do that, but I, it was actually six years ago, so I feel like, uh, you know, like a lot of you don't remember that, and one of my favorite poets, Robert Frost, beautiful poem, right? Stopping by the woods on a snowy evening, it's been six years now, and what's he write? And miles to go before I sweep, and miles to go before I sweep, and I, and I say, maybe, uh, maybe not. Right? Do you love that? So if, you, if you love the idyllic New England, and you went up there skiing or with family time like I did as a boy, and then took my children up there, the woods are lovely, dark and deep, and I, I have promises to keep. And miles to go before I sleep, and miles to go before I sleep. It, my little horse was thinking queer to stop without a farmhouse near. He gives his little bell a shake to ask if there are some. He said, does he learn scripture and memorize scripture as well as he learns poetry? Well, that's a great poem, isn't it? Miles to go. Maybe, maybe not. All right, Deb, I'm done with that. I know you always remember. <laughs> oh, no, here it comes, right? Well, what's he mean by that? He means that uh, we, uh, he had plenty of things to do before he died. And miles to go. Plenty of things. The, the honeydew list, right? You, are you the only, am I the only home that has a honeydew list, Mike? I don't think so. Honeydew. I like honeydew melon. The honeydew list, uh, that's a different, uh, different subject. You know, when I was a boy, I first encountered death at a very early age. I learned early of both the uncertainty and the brevity of death. I used to walk to elementary school with little Debbie. And uh, in third grade, Debbie didn't come to school. She didn't walk. And I didn't see her for a few days, and then around Halloween time, her mother came to class. Debbie died of pneumonia, double pneumonia. It took me away. And then and my grandfather, and then my grandmother. And at a very early age, the sting of death, uh, God used it in my life to draw me to the Savior, to realize that life is short, it's uncertain, and uh, you better be ready. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're not ready to pass into eternity. And God used that as a young boy to draw me to my knees and to trust and call on the name of the Lord. God saved me. I confessed that I was a sinner. And that Christ, I came to understand the love of God in Christ. And uh, trusted Jesus as my Savior. God wonderfully saved me. It didn't end my education in the brevity and uncertainty of life. did not end it as some of my father's very best friends sat down at the midnight shift. Laverne sat down. 
Uh, and he, he never got up. He died in the break room at 40 years old. We took their whole family in, our family. They lived with us, and they were a basket case. There was no hope of the gospel there. Have you ever seen folks that are hopeless? Oh, I've looked in the eyes of many folks that are, have no hope of the gospel. I'm telling you, it's so dramatically different to those who know Jesus and, and uh, the expectation to, to part and be with the Lord. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his loved ones, his saints. And it's not so to those that know not Christ, that have no hope, that are without Christ. And at a very early age, God was beginning to teach me and prepare me for what would be now over 30 years of pastoral ministry and, and, and teaching in, in college and seminary. Well, today we began a brand new year. We made it. <laughs> Some of you are like, wasn't sure we we're going to make it, right? 2012, oh my. You know, the three gifts that uh, have been given to us by Jesus, he's given us far more than that. But three gifts, gifts I want to, you to note here, time and treasure and talent. And oftentimes we speak of the three T's, right? Time, talent, treasure. Listen, by far the greatest of these is time. Have you, have you come to realize that? Have you? You know, and the sands of time are passing quickly. It's uh, soon to be gone, and so will you. Reminds me of Acts 6, a wholly different matter where Sapphira, and there are the feet of men that carried your husband out, and they're going to carry you. It's sort of like that, you know, like where are the feet? They're going to carry us out. My father died very suddenly, no warning. Often thought about that, and a young man at 54, they carried him right out of the bedroom, right down the stairway, right out the front door. That's a visual reminder to me. That life is going, going, and almost gone. It's almost the theme of that great uh, Moses Psalm, Psalm 90. For we live our days as a tale that is told. Well, as we begin today, this, uh, I, I, I have this uh, New Year's message, and it's not an uncommon theme. It was six years ago we sort of glanced at that. And, but we're going to look at four principles quickly in a little bit of time that remains. Four principles found in Scripture reminding us that time, time, is priceless. Not treasure. That's a passing thing. What's a Federal Reserve note anyway? <laughs> you need three of them to get a cup of coffee. I remember when it was a dime. You know, <laughs> what's happened, you know? It's monopoly money. You think about it. Uh, it. It's priceless, this thing called time, and so that we might use it in a way that is wise. For the sands, uh, are, they're like the sand in the hourglass. Going, going, and almost gone. Well, the first principle, God created time as time as we know it today. And one day, guess what? It's going to be no more. It's going to be no more. It, uh, this isn't something that's going on forever and ever. It's created. And God made time during the creation week. And uh, in Genesis chapter 1, I put down a lot of references on your handout so you can study that this week. But God made uh, the uh, day-night rotation, the cycle there. Uh, it was an independent light source. We know that because it wasn't until the fourth day that God made uh, the sun and the stars and the moon and the alternating day-night, 24-hour cycle uses the same formula. The evening and the morning, we would, we, we would say, well, the, uh, prior to the sun's creation on the fourth day and then after, and so they were of the same length of time. I believe God in his infinite sovereignty didn't create the sun to the fourth day and the stars because he wanted us to learn forever 
So the Son is not a God. You say, well, no, we know that. We're right. Well, you look through ancient histories and the Babylonians, and they worship the moon. You know, that's, uh, that's what it was in Palestine at the time of the invasion by the Israelites. They worship the moon. They worship the sun, the Egyptians, Ray. They worship the, the Babylonians, the constellations, and, and all that nonsense. Don't read the horoscope. Uh, horos- that's about what it is. Yeah, uh, The uh, astronomical understandings, uh, that's, that's craziness. In fact, uh, that whole thing, the zodiac, has shifted. It's completely off. You know, people, I'm a Gemini. I'm a, yeah, no, you're not. No, you're not. God said, look. I'll show you how insignificant that is. I'm not even going to make it to the fourth day. You're not dependent on the sun, but you look at any eighth grade science book, and the first page is, where all we, let's all worship the sun, because without the sun, we're totally and utterly dependent upon the warmth and the light and the rays and all that, and call the sun God. That's what it's doing in so many words. God said, wait a minute, I'm God. It's not. I created it. Someday it'll be gone. You worship me. And there you can read that in Genesis chapter 1. It's all there. And uh, even the, the stars, God threw them up in the air, created them from his breath of his mouth, and you can't even number them. Some of you are good at math. I got a challenge for you. Take home some homework. And try and number the stars. Impossible. In fact, the word says go down to the Jersey Beach and start counting the sands of sand. There are more sand, uh, more grains of sand there than there are stars, or maybe they're equal. It's used as an imagery to show you it. you can't measure it. You can't measure it, and it's expanding. It's incredible. And the rotation here, the slowing down. We're losing time. How about that? God, God made time during the creation week. He gave us the great light to mark the passage of time, and we're thankful for that in Genesis 1.14, the seasons and the days and the years. Without such, we wouldn't even know our age. Now, somebody would be happy about that, Right? Well, how old are you now? Just think of it was lineal. It's like, oh, I don't know. I've been around here for a while. You're like, well, how long? He's, I don't know. Do you remember before that guy was killed? Yeah, I was, I was here. It would be really rough, wouldn't it? Anyway, you wouldn't be able to get a new calendar and hang it up like Faithy did on the kitchen wall and begin to fill in the dates and, and all the commitments and all of that. The day-night routine, the weekly routine, the seven days, the 30, the lunar month, the solar year, all of that. So we mark the passage of time. And it's important to be able to do that. And it helps us as Christians to realize, though it seems to be going faster and faster, and we often say that here, and it does, does it not? Here we are waltzing into a new year. Like, oh, holy cow, I wasn't ready for 2011. Now it's 2012. Well, it's going faster and faster. And you know what it is? We're at Hershey Park. And we're on the merry-go-round, and it's going so fast, we're holding on to the pole, and our feet are pointing out the centripetal force. We go like, don't let go. <laughs> Feels like that, doesn't it? But we mark the passage of time. Since B, God is eternal, don't think that he is subject to time as we are. He's not. He created. He works his plan within it. Time is his servant. In the fullness of time, we mark that with Christmas, God sent forth his Son, uh, made of a woman, right at the exact moment in time. We mark time forward and backward by the birth and coming of Christ, before Christ, in the year of our Lord. Isn't that interesting? It's interesting that unbelievers around the world, they try and change a little bit of the figuring and the description of that, but God puts it deeply right there so that all people have to at least acknowledge it. Uh, in the common era, they try and change that, but it's in the year of our Lord, A.D. How about that? 
God has made it. Psalm 90, 1 and 2, from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God, Moses said. That's God. Well, that, that just kind of blows my mind, blows the circuits. I was doing some wiring the other day. I said, Faith, pray for me that I don't uh, die here. And uh, don't die. You know, like, I'm like, don't die, don't die, don't die. I, like, I was going to turn the power off to the whole house, and I thought that's a safe way to do it. But then you have to go and reset all the clocks. It drives you crazy. You know, like, so I go like, uh, then I went down there, and the motor wasn't working. In this, it was a radon pump that, you know. And uh, we've been living dangerously for 10 years without it, so we probably have cancer. But I thought, you know, it's probably time to put a new one in. And I went down there, I'm going, how am I going to know it's on or not? Well, I felt the motor was really hot. I go, well, that's good. Then I know it's on. I'm thankful the house didn't burn down, melt the plastic and all that. And so I said, so I said, okay, turn it off. And I did the wiring. I went up and I said, well, you didn't even call down to check on me. You know, what were you, spending my life insurance money or something? You know, like... Like, I, I would, don't die, don't die. And I wired it. Actually worked right. I thought the fan was going reverse, and I did a check. But that, that's a whole other story. Yeah, I mean, we're but a moment. It's very uncertain, and man knows not his time. I mean, Marv could be preaching today. He's gone, you know. I got to hit the wires. I don't know how you do that, Michael. And here, Bill, I'm telling you, holy cow. Well, the Lord made man to live forever. Did you know that? You were made to live forever. We're a result of the Adams family. You ever see that movie? That's what it is. It is Genesis chapter 3. God threatened uh, Adam and Eve. And the day you eat of that, you're going to die indeed. And it didn't go very long, and they ate of it. We know that because uh, Eve was a perfect woman, had perfect fertility cycle. They had no children. I say that. To, she would have had children right away in that part. Now, I, she, the first 30 days, I think she, that was it. Well, what can we say? Adam brought death in the world. It, was a, it made an abnormal world, the fall. The, the, uh, God had warned, and uh, we talk about that. Did you know that's estimated 150,000 people die every day in the world? Their time comes to an end. It's the planet of death. Wow. It's a testimony of the truthfulness of the Word of God. Well, in the future, just uh, one last thing to say here is, do you know that the day-night rotation and, and glory will be changed? There'll be no darkness. You can read that in the last chapter of the Bible, ja uh, uh, Revelation 22. No more night, for the Son of God is going to radiate the glory of heaven. I don't know how that's going to work. But Moses came down from meeting the Lord there on Sinai, and he glowed in the radiance of the glory of Jesus, going to radiate, God's going to have a new program for illuminating heaven, and you won't have to pay a power bill. It's going to be great. I don't know how it's going to work, but no more night. I'm just saying, it's a created thing. It's a temporary thing. It began in Genesis 1, and it will end at the last chapter of the Bible. God created time. He's the creator. He's the inventor of it. And so on. Well, what's the second principle found in Scripture reminding us that time is, is priceless? That is, God has determined the number of your days. You can rest in that. You know, you ought to rest in that truth. Some people are so afraid, they think, you know, like, I better hang on. Look, it's not you hanging on. People think that was salvation. You know, the poor folks that are Arminian, they think they're holding on to God. You know, if that's really true, we would have lost it the first hour, probably, of salvation. God holds us in the palm of his hand. We're safe forever. What God does, he does forever. 
There's no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus our Lord. And, and the same thing is true in our physical life. God has numbered all of our days. And we look for the Lord. We're going to be talking next week on three essentials. We're looking forward in this, in this world. I have a couple of New Year's messages here at the beginning of the year, and we're going to be talking about the return of Christ. Won't it be great if Christ came? That's the hope of the church, the blessed hope. But if he doesn't come, some of you may not see 2013. You know, some in our family here, we uh, departed and went to, went to heaven, and we, we think of, of Tom, we think of Bruce, we, we think of some of your loved ones, uh, Julie's mother and grandmother in recent weeks, uh, went to glory. And, and that's the way it is. And, and, and we ought to take great comfort in the fact it's not you holding on, but it's, uh, it is God that has determined the number of our days and rest in that. For the reality is that we all have an appointment with death. We do. We all have an expiration date. You ever look at that on Milk Faith? will always say, now look at the expiration date when you go into corns. Get that cream for the coffee. And so make sure you get the one that's, that's a, look all the way back, keep going back there, and ha, 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 this one expires three years from now. She'll be really happy with that one. Yep, yeah, bring it home, yep. And it still goes bad. I don't know how it is. Sometimes it's still not, you know, it spoils or something. You don't have an expiration date on the bottom of your foot, so don't go home this afternoon and look for it. But you do have an expiration date in God's economy and plan. And I say, rest in that. You know, like you re I read the papers, I'm worried about that. Rest in that. It is. You, you can't add a, a day. Now, there is Hezekiah in the Word, right? Uh, who got Isaiah, God said, go to Isaiah, go to Hezekiah, tell him to get ready, he's going to die. He turns to the wall, he cries out, he's crying. He God hears his prayer, extends his life, what, 15 years? They are not good years. That's the only thing I, the only place I see that in the world. They were not good years for that king. Been better off if he had went to heaven. Anyway, can you think of it? How great heaven is? When he went to heaven, he goes, hey, what was I, stupid? Well, I, I should have, if I knew it was this great, I should have known it was this great. I should have left earlier. What am I doing? And we're going to think that way, you know that? It's hard for us to imagine, but it's really true. Hanging on, what am I hanging on to? It's like we're, and, and people say life is hell. I go like, this is not hell. Hell's good. You don't want that. Well, when we get to heaven, we go like, why did I want to hang on here? And I know, we have natural relations and friends, and my granddaughters need me. And we all think that way, and that's right. And there is a Well, God takes care of that. He does. He has a way of Rest in this truth. God has determined and numbered your days. And Ecclesiastes, our focus text uh, this morning, if you look at that, um, uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, for everything there's a season. That uh, there's a time for every matter under heaven, Solomon writes. There's a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, time to pluck up what is planted, time to kill, time to heal, time to break down, time to build up, time to weep, time to laugh, time to mourn, and a time to dance, <clears throat> time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones. Time to embrace, a time to refrain from embrace. Time to seek, time to lose. Time to keep, time to cast away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to keep silent, time to speak. Time to love, time to hate. Time for war, time for peace. And Solomon uh, writes this, he says that God has made uh, a season for every matter in, in life. He's determined it. 
Uh, you have no choice in these opposite points. Uh, often it is said that, uh, that life is a hyphen, and it is. You, did you know that? Your life is a hyphen? Go to any cemetery and check out the headstones. Born, 1954, died. And say, well, that's the hyphen right in the middle. That's your life. That's your life. Going, going, almost gone. Soon it's gone, and so are you. Check it out. God breathed this truth through David as he wrote Psalm 139, verse 16, that wonderful Psalm 139. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before I lived one of them. Wow, how does God do that? He's great. He's truly great. You, you're not. You're puny, small, frail, can't do very much. You better lay down for seven, six, seven, eight hours. Some of you sleeping longer. Some of you are sleeping now. You know, that's how, yeah, it's, that's, that's how pitiful we really are. Because I'm really strong. You're know, like, yeah, yeah, right, sit down. You know, I, I used to be, then I got a couple of hips. I'm a little unsteady now. My boys won't even wrestle with me anymore. Oh, Dad, if we put your hip out, you're going to be in a hospital. You'll be a mess. What? I'm not a twink. What age is it? I'm not a... Get over here. And they're, they, like, they, they handle me different. I'm sorry to tell you that, Mark, because old wrestlers, you know. I, I'll tell you, we just, it makes me more determined. Then they go even softer with you. Oh, Dad, please don't. And they just humor me, you know. Well, God has ordered all your days. And my Job agrees with that in Job 14, 1 to 6. God has determined the number of man's months. God is great. God sets all the boundaries. That's really what we're saying. It's that Psalm 16. God sets all the boundaries. David says, the boundary lines for me have fallen in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. Now, this is what I do. When things seem all messed up and crazy and make no sense, and that's about every other day, right, in a fallen world, <laughs> you figure it out. I take comfort in the fact that God sets all the boundaries, physically and metaphysically. Metaphys above. Above the physical, the spiritual, and the, the soul area. Physically, I look at the moon. I saw the moon the other night. Beautiful. I go, wow, praise God for that. Wow. Yeah, it's a quarter million miles away. I just read yesterday in a science journal that... Uh, the, moon, uh, the earth moon uh, is unique in all the uh, galaxy uh, in the size of the moon in comparison to the planet. The moon is the largest moon out of any other planetary type thing in the galaxy uh, for the counterbalance and weight and all that God desired and the protection of the earth, uh, the tidal effect and all of these kind of things. It's marvelous. You think, that, you think God said, I, gee, I didn't know it was going to be that close. I didn't know it was going to be a quarter million miles. I made it closer, so NASA could have got their guys there quicker. Apollo 13 could have maybe made it and, and, done, and landed and all that. No, God never said, I didn't know. He set up all the boundaries. The earth is 93 million miles from the sun. And the sun gives just the amount of light. Do you ever notice it's not too bright? Where's the rheostat? Boy, that sun's bright today. We've got to turn it down. I can't go outside, you know. It's like being down in Florida. Wouldn't you like to be down in Florida now? You know, it's a bright sun, and it's so... No, it's just perfect. And the night sky, isn't it great? It really helps us to be able to sleep. The lesser light at night, God sets all, the, all of that. The amount of illumination, the distance, that it shines upon the earth, which is the salvific center of the universe. Not the center physically, not the center even in the solar system. But it's the center salvifically. Jesus passed through all of the rest of it and was born in a manger in Bethlehem. 
that forever gave dignity, worth, and honor to the earth and to humanity. He's forever the God-man. Wow. Glory. So I take, I, I take comfort in that. How about the periodic chart? Jump into your chemistry class. Remember that when you had to memorize all that? Oh, I'll never get this down. I remember a chemistry teacher said, I'll come in with a blank piece of paper, and you're going to fill out all the weights and all the symbols and all that. And I'm, oh, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. All right, you're glad you do that when you're younger, right? <laughs> How many could do that today? You know, my brain's not working like it once did. Well, it's because you haven't used it in about 30 years, you know. <laughs> but you had them, and all that is set boundaries, and even genetically. Well, I go into the genetics of the biology class, and you look at the, uh, the gene pool, and uh, there's reproduction, and a marvelous way God does within its kinds. In that, I mean, God sets the boundaries. And, the, and how about just go into your earth science class, and the earth is what? So the atmosphere, this blanket that protects the earth, 78% nitrogen, 21% oxygen, 1% carbon. You hear a lot about carbon, it gets a bad rap. You know, <laughs> I don't, anyway, you probably have an opinion on it, but I'm not going to ask you now. But I mean, it's just amazing. And then the, uh, the magnetism of the earth, the molten center, you know, the center of the earth is molten. It's liquid. It's not like rock. You know, my dad used to say, let's keep digging a fence hole down. We're going down to China. Like, really, dad? How far down is it? You know, you can't be looking down in a hole. Where's China? You know, you got to get some rice down there? Yeah, we're going to China. <laughs> no, it's molten. You don't want to do that. It's, uh, you know, it comes up. Of course, you could hit some of that natural gas and do pretty good with that. They do that up in Williamsport, huh? I'm glad to see that up there. That's the whole thing. God, I, God sets all the boundaries. He's determined your days and mine. And beyond that, that we should be here. And God raised up grace. That we should have the privilege of living in, we do live in a, a, a wicked country, but we have great privilege. It's an honor. It's a glory to be able to have freedom and opportunity, even though it's a sinful, fallen world. This is not heaven. Not Iowa. It's not heaven. Okay? Some of you know what I mean by that. But God has set the boundaries. Praise God for that. For, and, and, and furthermore, David tells in Psalm 31, 15, my times are in your hands. And that's true for you too. God sets all the boundaries. You'll never live one day beyond what God has already determined. Never. For the Christian, I say to you, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this truth ought to provide you with great comfort. Rest in this. Rest. Rest in it. Marvin, you said something the other day about your daughter, your, your, you guys' daughter down in Mexico. She's single down there, and she's teaching, and not in the Christian school, and it's in the middle of that, and like, a good dad, right? We, like, we, go, to, we, go, to, we go to bed, and we go like, oh my, oh, we pray for our kids, oh God, oh God, oh God. And you made a, you made a statement that I've said to faith, something like, I had to come to a point where I said, I got to stop worrying about this stuff and just give her to the Lord. I said to Faith later, I said, man, that, I know that feeling, and we've prayed that a zillion times. Lord, take it again. The thing with burdens, we keep taking them back again. We give them, they come back, you know, they crawl on the, casting our, your every care upon me, for I, he cares for you. I mean, casting our burdens on that, and I understand that. The reality is, is that she, your guy's daughter in Mexico, and our kids, and our grandkids, and each one of us, we're in the Lord's hands. And so we ought to take comfort in that. God has determined the number of our days. And we ought to find real Shabbat, or rest in that. Rest. 
What an encouragement. Number three, here's the a, here's a third principle found in Scripture reminding us that time is, is priceless, more valuable than, than talent or, or treasure, and that is God has provided us with enough time to do what he wants us to do. Be encouraged by this. Being, oh, we say, if I had more time. No, we all have the same amount, 168 hours a week. Um, but God has given us enough time to do what he wants us to do. The Lord never said, I didn't know the days would be that short. He created it to be as such, 24 hours. And Solomon tells us that the truly wise person knows that his time is in God's hands, that there's an appropriate uh, time for every human activity, our text, Ecclesiastes 3. When we were uh, growing up in the 60s, the Birds uh, musical group sang a, a Vietnam War protesting song, Turn, Turn, Turn. How many of you know that song? Look at I knew that. Yeah, you probably know that better than you know some hymns or some of the worship songs. <laughs> well, they had it completely wrong. That was uh, the turn away from the war, call the passivity, you know, um, yeah, turn, 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 don't, don't, don't fight, don't all that and this. But we all sang it and loved it and I sort of that sort of that day, right, Ed? Yeah. You want to sing it? Huh? <laughs> well, they took it right from they robbed it. They ripped it out, ripped it right out of the context. They didn't quite know they were way off on what it really, really meant. Yeah, it's really telling us there's an appropriate activity. Well, well what's, what is the, this text actually saying? Look at number one. Here's a list of 14. Now, that's a double seven. Seven, as, as you know, in, uh, and I'm not a big biblical numerologist type guy, but seven is the number of completion. Often it's the number of God. You think of seven days in one complete week. And so this is a double seven. Like this is really completed. This is really the, the, the utter completeness of the activities of life. And, uh, and second, uh, it's a, the, these polar opposites, time to be born, a time to die. Uh, grammatically, some of you know your English better, is a merism or a Hebraism, which means from the, this beginning point to this ending point and all the things and points in between. Think of a timeline of activity. That's really what he's saying, the completion or the utter completion of all of life. God gives enough time for uh, what he wants us to do uh, in this thing called life, this passing treasure called time. Well, many people waste time, have you noticed? And we all waste time. The thing is, don't waste gobs of time. We need downtime. Jesus took the disciples to Caesarea Philippi to come away and rest. That's a good reminder that we need rest. God created the six one-day rotation for a day that's completely different, to come apart, to enjoy, to relax, not to make it a burden like the Pharisees did. They burdened the people of God with the Sabbath regulation, made it, made it ugly, made it hard, made it harsh. God said, no, enjoy, relax, break that work routine, or you're gonna, you'll be ground up and spit out, won't be worth nothing and if you continue that way, your days will probably be short anyway. But many people waste a lot of time. Many Christians spend their days and have very little to show for it. Let that not be you. you know don't, be like, don't be like the uh, Hershey Park, uh, the older couple that was down there. And the, and the husband said, I want to get on the merry-go-round. She said, oh, forget the merry-go-round. No, I'm going to go. So he went over there, he got on the merry-go-round, rode the merry-go-round, went round, round, round. She stood there. She didn't get on and then he got off smiling and all that, and there you are. He said, you paid good money, you got on, you got off where you got on, you ain't been nowhere. 
Well, that's a lot of people. You know, waste their time. Just going around, 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 nothing to show for it. Don't be that. Maybe, maybe God has put in your heart and so, said, you know, uh, this, this year God has given me a desire and interest to the advancement of the gospel, to see Grace Church growing, and I want to get involved in, in this area. Maybe I can help over here. Maybe I can be a blessing to my neighbor. Maybe I can help with areas that and stretch. And we need your help. We desperately need you to help. If everyone did one job here, uh, it would really spread out. If you would like charge the pastor and all that, I don't know what I can do, but figure it out. It's up to you. You know, I'm here. Help me. Uh, help me help you. Help me help you. There's a movie like that. Help me help. I don't know what it was. But that would be great. Wouldn't that be great? I think the elders would probably have heart attack. Amen, Galen? You're like, oh, I don't know what to do here. These people, I got a line of people wanting to help. They want to usher. They want to greet. They want to help in Sunday school. They want to help with the youth. They want to help with uh, door-to-door knockers and, and do some counseling and maybe go on a missions trip. And oh, what are we going to do? Someone to even sing. Oh, pastor, they can't sing. What are we going to well, If we would do that. Say, I want to do that. I want to, I don't want to, I want to, I want to plug in there. Paul said what? Redeem the time. In Ephesians 5, 6, why? The days are evil. Solomon gave us help in this. I want, I want you to look over it. If these, I love these passages. And when we studied the book of Ecclesiastes a number of years ago, we did spend some time there. But I love the way he puts in chapter 5, Ecclesiastes 5, 18 to 20. And then we're just going to glance at chapter 9 of Ecclesiastes. Solomon has this parenthesis here. Behold, I'm in 5.18 now. Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting, he's talking about in life, is what? To eat, you know, eat, enjoy what God has given, eat and drink, and find enjoyment in all the work or toil with which one toils under the sun the few days of his life that God has given him. For that's your lot. That's God's plan and program. Eat and, and drink and find joy in work. You know, there's always joy in finding and doing a job and doing it well. My father taught me earlier, you rake that leaves and you do it and do it well and there's joy in doing a job well. Wash those dishes. You tell my sister, I'm sick of washing these dishes. All these boys are outside working. We have to clean the kitchen. Wash those and find you. May they be the best clean dishes. Now, I've washed them a thousand. Keep washing. Do it to look. Well, he didn't say it. It wasn't save them. But my mother urged them to do it for the Lord. You know, and, and there's a joy in that, right? Even though something is utterly repetitive. Do you know most of life and work is repetitive? Have you noticed that? Most things are. And most is not like pizzazz and something new every day. Oh, it's glitzy and exciting. No, it's like I've done it a million times. If I make another meal, if I do another laundry, if I, you know, I feel that way with, I always say that, Mark, with brushing my teeth. I get sick of brushing my teeth. You're probably glad I do, though. I got, That's it. I'll throw that thing away. I'm tired of it, you know. Do I have to floss? No, I floss all the time. All you do is get a few dentist bills, and you start like, whoa, the lights turn on. <laughs> Flossing is very important. <laughs> he always asked me if I floss, and I just grin. Now I, yeah, I give him a full report. But uh, I don't know what I'm talking about. Oh, repetitiveness. Most of it is. Yeah, right. And so the few days of life that God has given, that's your life. And everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions, that's Americans. That's you. Don't say, look, I, look that's not, no, that's you. And power to then enjoy them. You see, a lot of people have stuff, but they can't enjoy it. Enjoy what God has blessed you with. 
Now, if you've got it unlawfully, confess that as sin and give it back. But if you have it lawfully and God bless, enjoy it. Enjoy it. The power, and to accept this lot, what's that mean? I'm not going to be around here next Tuesday. Life is short. Rejoice in this work. This is a gift from God, for he will not much remember the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with joy in his heart. It does remind me of Faithy's dad. He loved to whistle. He whistled all the time, and he could really whistle. He had bird whistles and things. People would be looking all that. Just happy whistling, happy in Jesus while he is working. And that, you know, if you, if you have a happy people, it really bothers people because it's like life is bad, you know? And most, we're all messed up with sin and God saves us and, and it begins to work in our heart and we start working and there's a difference. And like, why, is, why are you happy? You're not supposed to be happy. We're not happy. How come you're whistling? You shouldn't be whistling. Find joy in what it is you do. Now look over at chapter 9. He says similar things. I love these passages and read these often. Uh, 9 verse 7. Go eat your bread with joy, he says again. Drink your wine with a merry heart. Just don't drink too much. For God has already approved what you do. How about that? Let your garments be always white. In other words, do good things. Do live righteously. Let not oil be lacking on your head. There you go. Look good. Take a shower. Ladies, get gussied up. You know, that's what that means. Enjoy life. I love this. I have Faithy's name in my Bible. Uh, the, 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 uh, about five of the Bibles I have. Enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your what? Your vain life. The ESV says vain life. That's the word uh, habel in the Hebrew. It means uh, breath or vanity or empty in other places. In your vain life, enjoy your wife that he, notice, God has given you, your, your mates and to each other, if that's your case, because that's your portion in life and your toil, which you toil under the sun. And whatever your hand finds to do. He's talking about your work or activity or if you're shooting a hoop or whatever, do it with your might. For there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol, that's the grave, you're going to be dead soon, to which you are going. And it reminds us of that. I love that passage so very well. And then finally, he closes. You can never read this book without the last two verses of the whole book. Here's the end of the whole matter in chapter 12, verse 13. All has been heard. Fear God and keep his command. Whatever you do, just keep this right in front of you. Fear him. Keep his commandments by his power and grace and the work of the gospel in your life. For this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed in the judgment with every secret thing, whether good or whether evil. And isn't Jesus our wonderful example of um, having enough time to do exactly what the Father gave him to do? He did the will of the Father completely, utterly, finally, right on time. And yet he was never rushing around. Did you ever notice that? You ever read the gospel? Jesus was late. I never, he showed up five minutes late. You know, he's, I should have been here last Tuesday. Now, the, the sisters in Bethany thought he was late. Remember that? Oh, Lord, if you had been here earlier, no, this is for the glory of God. Remember, that was a great, I was, I'm glad, actually, and their schedule, he was late because Larry came forth. It was it's an amazing. Lazarus, come forth. Wow, what, what power, what hope. Wow. Last uh, biblical principle found in Scripture, reminding us, reminding me, and I need this, and so do you, that time is so priceless. Use it wisely. God's... That's at Genesis 3 again. Our days are likened to a breath or a vapor. 
Here one minute, go on the next. That's at Psalm 90.10. The years of our life, maybe 70, maybe 80 years. No guarantee, but there's in the toil and trouble. And then they're soon gone and you fly away. That's when I love that song. Fly away, fly away, dear. I love that. I envision that. And, that. and that's really what it is. And how many times have I used Jim Boyce's illustration that life is like being at the beach and you're all there. And you're down at the Jersey Beach or in the Florida Beach or maybe you're down in the Caribbean Beach. Good for you. <laughs> Gets clearer. Have you noticed that? Less murky, clearer as you head down towards the equator. Anyway, uh, you're down there and you're all there. It's like a still. And we're all here. Oh, isn't this great? And a wave comes in. And out goes Dad. You go like, oh, he was here. Was that a mirage? Dad's gone. And a little bit later, in a few moments, wave comes in and out goes mom. You go like, oh, I, what is it? Oh, it's such a powerful picture to me. And when I first uh, read Jim Boyce's illustration, I went, there, that is a keeper. Because that, to me, is, describes life. And then occasionally a wave comes in and out goes one of our little ones. We go like, it's not right, it should never be that way. Parents should never bury their children, but it does happen sometimes in a fallen world. It's uncertain. It's brief. And it's tentative at best. Isn't that what James is saying in, in James 4? We don't have time to read it, but he, doesn't he say that? Make your plans, but don't make them apart from God. In, in James 4, 13 to 18 there, that section. And we ought to say it ought to be in our thoughts, if not on our lips, if the Lord will. We'll go to this city and that city and we'll make money and, and do this and that and all that. The, the old Methodists were right. They would oftentimes say, Dio Volente. They signed their letters that way. A D-O, D period, D period V. Dio God Volente, willing, D-V, D-V. And I don't hear that said very much. We said, it was said the other day in our family, somebody said, eh, the Lord willing, Faithy said that. And I go like, you don't hear that. I used to hear that a lot more of the older generation. They actually uh, fixed that on, the Lord willing, I'll see you Tuesday. The Lord willing. Now, a lot of times it's a, it's a habit and becomes mindless, and we say that without thinking, or the older generation may have, uh, uh, but uh, probably better than presuming that we're the masters of all our plans. And I can just make any plan out here, and, uh, and just assume it's going to come about. You, you don't have... Look, at best, it's tentative. If the Lord wills, we'll do that. If the Lord wills, really, and finally, it's uncertain. Man knows not his hour. Now, Steve Jobs had that terrible liver problem and, and that in the genius of Apple computer and, and all that. And he struggled with that for a number of years. And some of you followed it closer than others. And then finally... Uh, this was the year that his life would expire. No, no longer here. If the Lord wills, we'll do this or that. God's plan is perfect. And we ought to live with that expectation. For what? Bad times can fall on us very unexpectedly. Isn't that true? We go like, I didn't see that coming. They fired me. I thought he was going to hire me. I thought I was getting a promotion. He kicked me out the door. Or 
Someone gets sick. You get a phone call. I go like, bad times can fall very unexpectedly. One call from a doctor can change your life from his office. Right? We, we all know that. We, we do. That's not pastor talk. That's life in a fallen world. This is life in our fallen world. So fill your days serving Jesus. Let me urge you to do that as your pastor. So fill your days. Think increasingly, how can I do that? Pray with John the Baptist. He must increase, I must decrease. He owns you. You're three times his. He made you, he saved you, and he's sanctifying you. He's preparing you for heaven, giving you gifts and abilities. Your life is, your time is a passing treasure. Use it wisely. Not solve it. Use it for Jesus. Say what, what Paul said. For me to live is Christ. Wow. And if you do it, you'll never regret it, I promise you. And as heaven draws closer, and you and I, have you noticed, we're one year closer. We're moving. If you know Jesus, you're moving closer to the celestial city. It becomes more dear. If you become so entrenched here and your treasure is here, the thought of leaving it all becomes a horrifying thought, even for Christians who live straddling the fence, not where they ought to be. But if you increasingly live and give it all to Jesus and you're living that way and you're looking for his coming, and this may be the year or the upward call, you get more and more excited about it. And the longer you live and the more you know, there are loved ones there waiting. I mean, we pass messages along. Have you ever seen that? I mean, when Faithy's mom, Faithy mentioned that, I think, the other week, when her mom was dying of leukemia. You know, we have, we have loved ones in heaven, and, and so we're like, and when you see Matt, when you see Pop, tell them. You know, we think that's possible. You know, absent from the body, instantly present with the Lord, and take that message, and isn't that sweet? And what a sweet thought that is. Wow. Time is really the passing treasure, is it not? Wow. There was a 90-year-old man who was leaving on a trip around the world, and an old friend lamented, you ought not to try a trip like this. I might not see you again. The departing 90-year-old gentleman replied, maybe not. You may be dead when I get back. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's good. Well, what, what can we see? I actually wrote out the lessons. You, you have them on your sheet, the lessons? Yeah, so we could go a little quicker. But anyway, uh, lesson number one, think rightly about time. It's your most valuable treasure, apart from the gospel. After I wrote that, I thought, wait a minute, the gospel is the most important thing we possess. But next to that, uh, humanly speaking, your time. Your time is the most important, most valuable treasure, yet it's passing away. Use the hours and days of your life for eternity's sake. Live for Jesus, love him and serve him increasingly. Will you do that? How many of you... Lord, I, I want to do that. I, I raise my hand to that. I want to do that. Lord, even more in 2012, use my life. Pour it out for your glory. Number two, perhaps the Lord has convicted you of wasting your days or segments of your days. You need to repent. Lord, forgive me for that. I, I've wasted. It's gone. I don't get it back. You know, your time is like your money. Once you spend it, you don't get it back. I raised our, my children saying, you can only spend your money once. Have you noticed it works that way? You can't spend, so think carefully what you want to spend it on because it's not uh, A and B, it's uh, A or B. You know, you spend it on A, you don't have it on B. And your time is like that. Once you spend your time, you're like, oh, I'd like to have that back. Don't get it back. You don't. And say, Lord, forgive me for wasting. Let me turn from sin. 
Forgive me. I want to live for you. Lord, empower me through your grace to make the changes. And I promise you, the Lord will help you. He'll change your life. He will. He will. Number three, don't ever make your plans without considering the Lord's will and his blessing. Boy, that's presumption. I question whether maybe you are saved. It's lordship of Christ. He's Lord and Savior. You don't belong to yourself. You belong to him. And so your plans are his, and his days are, are his plan. The future is not in your hands. It's in, if the Lord wills, ought to be at least in our thoughts constantly, constantly, and often on our lips. Not so it's habit-forming and it's mindless if the Lord wills, if the Lord wills. But I'd love to hear it a little bit more than what I do hear it. Because then I wonder, are we even thinking it, you know? And we ought to be that. Number, number four and last, Jesus is not only creator, creator of time, he is, but more than that, he's redeemer. And someday your time will be all gone. I'm just wondering if there's maybe one or two here that never trusted Jesus as Savior. Oh, you, you call upon the name of the Lord today. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. Thank you for dying for my sin. He made the payment that you could not pay. Whosoever should call upon the name of the Lord, put your name in there. And God will save you from your sin forever. And heaven can be your home. And that's how you become a Christian. Not taking communion as important as that is, or baptism or something. Oh, I'd love to see that. Oh, what a great thing. Time, the passing... The passing treasure. The woods are lovely. Deb, I'm going to stick it in. The woods are lovely, dark and deep. Mark likes that. Mark's a great hunter. Woods are lovely, dark and deep. And promises I have to keep. And miles to go before I sleep. Maybe. Maybe miles. Maybe not. Maybe not. Let's stand and be dismissed. Father, thank you so much for this new year. And thank you for the word of God. It so encourages us, Lord. And I pray for any here that need Christ, open their heart, draw them, and save them. For the great number of us that know you, may this be the greatest year yet to serve and to live for you. Dismiss us with your blessing. May we carry that treasure of the gospel everywhere we go. and Give us a burden for lost people, and may we make a difference. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great New Year's Day. God bless you. Bye-bye. Don't, don't leave yet, guys. We're going to close in a song, okay? Ed, Ed wants to sing a song. Yeah. Right. So give me a mic. I've got to use it. <laughs> Go ahead, Rob. Princes and paupers Sons and daughters kneel at the throne of grace. Losers and winners, saints and sinners, one day we'll see his face. And we all Kings will surrender their crowns and worship Jesus. For he is the love, unfailing love 
He is the love 